Good evening and welcome to The Midnight Owl. I'm your host, Tim. The Midnight Owl is a proud member of the Not After 30 podcast network. The Midnight Owl is your buddy that always has a suggestion for a hilarious cartoon you should check out. I know it's meant for kids, but the writing is great and the plot is a lot darker than you would expect. This week's episode is a look at cannabis culture. When I was in England, I experimented with marijuana a time or two, and I didn't like it. I didn't inhale, and never tried it again. Bill Clinton. When I was a kid, I inhaled frequently. That was the point. Barack Obama. Snoochie boochies. Jay. Have you smoked weed? Do you know those that do? Isn't it kind of annoying to have that friend that won't shut up about it? Sooner or later, if they're not careful, it becomes the better part of that person's entire personality. Well, as that guy, I apologize. But I did write this episode about weed, which very well may turn into a two-parter. So as the kids say, sorry not sorry. When I started writing this ep, it was very clinical. I wanted to talk about legalization, what kind of businesses, jobs, tech, and medicine might be created from this. What ended up happening is I got super nostalgic as I tried to get into the nitty gritty. The new Jay and Silent Bob movie came out for a preview. I drove a few hours with a buddy from work to check it out. It was really cool seeing podcasts be nodded to on the big screen from someone that loves them and not from someone who's out to make a profit. If I did this right, I'll be giving you a window into what it was like growing up with weed in Canada. I wonder if my experiences reflect that of some of our international listeners. Are potheads the same, no matter where they grow up? Of those like me that smoked weed ever since high school, who managed to make something of themselves? Malcolm Gladwell talked about the 10,000 hours rule in his book, Outliers. The rule suggests that to become world class at anything you need to dedicate 10,000 hours of deliberate practice. I don't deserve a trophy or a parade, but it's kind of nice to know in one respect, I might be world class at something. I started to form a bunch of questions that I've never considered before this. How are stoners viewed by each other, by employers, by our loved ones? Has that changed with legalization? What are our stories of growing up and messing around with something that was illegal, that was so much a part of our lives? What if anything could I say to help protect my nieces or nephews from some of the pitfalls I've hit being a stoner? Is that even my place? What do relationships look like when you date a stoner? Do you think that you'll always smoke? Does smoking weed make me juvenile? Do I care? Do I feel connected to the larger community of people that smoke cannabis? What if I was a better writer? Would I be able to artfully incorporate questions and answers without making blatant lists that would take the listener on a journey instead of a stilted point-by-point? In a sense, this episode is a time capsule for me to go back and look at in a few years when we all get used to weed being legal. How will weed culture have changed in two years? In ten years? 
Are there going to be social events other than walking on Parliament on 420 to gather with other stoners and it not be a big deal? Will there be festivals or weed bars? Will I be able to go to Home Depot and get growing advice, lights and soil, from my clones without feeling weird about it? Being overly poetic, I could even call this episode The Death of an Outlaw. Weed is now legal, and I am fully, completely a law-abiding citizen. I've never gotten a speeding ticket, I don't drive intoxicated, I pay my taxes, I even pick up my dog's poop when we're walking. Again, I'm not looking for a parade. All in all, that's pretty basic human adult stuff. But up until now, I've always had one thing that made me not a complete square. I went to bad places to deal with shady people to get average ganja. It bothers me to think about the other versions of me in the United States that might have ended up as a three-striker on dumb, youthful charges. Now, I'm an upright and respectable citizen. I could even run for office. Nasty. I don't know what I'll do if the itch to rebel comes. I fear authority and any real repercussions to my actions, so it would have to be pretty minor. Maybe I'll illegally download a movie? Drive up to the mailbox down the street without my seatbelt on? You know, just to feel alive, damn it. On a serious note, and disregarding anything else talked about in this episode, weed might not be for you, and that's okay. I can't tell you how many times I have seen adults peer pressuring other adults into trying cannabis. Smoking pot is a choice, and anyone that tries to guilt, cajole, or pressure you into changing your mind can fuck off. If you're under the age of 25, your brain is still developing. Choosing to smoke weed at an early age can have long-term effects. A friend of mine worked with people that had acquired brain injuries. He was describing to me how one of the lobes essentially shuts off for a few years that governs decision-making and risk assessment. It explains a lot of the dumb adventures I was a part of. I won't be covering this in this episode, but there is growing evidence that certain percentage of people can have a reaction akin to an allergic reaction that could result in a psychotic episode. On the off chance you're a kid thinking about smoking weed, there isn't much I can say to dissuade you. Kids, just consider this. You don't want to wake up the guy in his basement writing about aliens and magic avoiding the real world because it's just too complex and scary for him. Just saying. There can be long-term effects. Be careful out there. Life is an amazing journey. You don't have to rush through every milestone. I tried hard to think about why I got into weed. I never followed hockey like the other kids. I never had much of an interest in music. I grew up in a world with dial-up internet, portable phones, and a TV antenna attached to the back of the house. When you wanted to watch a movie, you had to come up with five bucks and a ride to get to the video store. On top of that, you had to hope it was in stock because, you never know, all three copies of Police Academy might have already been rented, and now you gotta wing it because the drive to town to get a movie could not be wasted. There wasn't any fancy IMDB to check what else might be good. This was the bad old days of judging a book by its cover and hoping for the best. You would have to watch and rewatch that rental for the two days you had it. Who remembers the last time you had to rewind a VHS? Like seriously, was that 
15 years ago? More? Honestly, think about it. And I'm wondering what movie that would have been for me. Best guess? Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2? Secret of the Ooze. And if you didn't know exactly what kind of movie you wanted to watch, you would have to wander around the aisles and just pick something based on a cool title or cover, the whole time becoming more and more frustrated with the loop on the tube TV playing the same clips over and over again, taunting your indecision. If you think YouTube ads are bad, you don't know my generation's suffering. If you were lucky enough to go to the a fancy video store like Jumbo Video, Blockbuster, Rogers, there might, might be a dry erase board with the counter jockey's pick of the week. And now that I'm older and cynical, I wonder if they actually got a choice. If Steve or Brenda got to go with their heart, or if corporate insisted on pushing the latest big name movies. Kind of have this picture in my head like, nah, fuck you. I ain't putting Minority Report up there. I'm going to go recommend Empire Strikes Back again. And Backdraft. Thank you for your cinematic honesty, Brenda. The world could have been a better place for it. There are very few jobs I idealize as the perfect job. Working at a movie store would have been a dream job for me. I was born about 10 years too late. My kingdom for a time machine. I would have been so good at retail if only it could pay the bills. Who knows, maybe I can marry rich and fulfill my dreams of becoming a minimum wage clerk one day. Damn you, Kevin Smith, for making it look cool. Getting back to my point about having something to cheer for. It's human nature to want to be a part of something. Everyone needs something to root for. Looking around, people have all kinds of flags they carry with them. Symbols of the subcultures they're a part of. I think about Buddy with the misfit patches on his backpack and jean jacket. The person that paid more for jeans that actually have holes in them already. The one guy that has the mustache and claims it isn't some kind of affectation he added for attention. You know, the guy that has a bunch of Star Wars toys on his bookshelf and calls them action figures and tries to tell you about how all the cool backstories are. One of those people I might be. I'm just saying, we all have a desire to be included. In all honesty, I was one of those kids that never got into music, and I was too rambunctious to sit and watch sports. Without music or sport fandoms, I had little to add to any conversation with the other kids. I stuck with Leaf Suck and such and such music was good or bad based on the trends I overheard. Sci-fi geeks were hard to come by in rural Canada. In public school, I finally found the nerds. We talked Star Wars, Power Rangers. Red Ranger was a punk. Zack the Black Ranger was the bomb. Do the kids still say bomb? We traded Pokemon cards. I had the red cartridge, of course. And when I came home off the bus, I got to watch at least two episodes of The Simpsons. There was no streaming or buying the seasons. You got whatever the TV said you were going to watch. As I got a little older, I got to talk South Park and the genius of Matt and Trey. It was nice not feeling like an outsider. I don't mean that I was an outcast. Everyone was nice to me. I just didn't have anything to add when they wanted to tell me about how awesome the song Tub Thumping was, or how this year Felix Potvan or Dougie Gilmore were going to bring home the cup. I don't know why I feel the need to defend myself. There's this perception being outside isn't normal. 
It's bad. And yeah, I was a little to the outside, but I wasn't the weird kid in class that hid old sandwiches in his desk till they were all moldy and fucked up. Before you think I'm taking shots at the weird kid with the smelly desk, that kid did have friends, so to him, I might have been the easy target for ridicule. Fuck you, smelly desk kid, making fun of me. Rotten milk cartons in your locker and you're judging me. How dare you. The first memory I have of being invited into the circle was probably early public school. I was an equal and welcome to the conversation. Another kid saw me playing with Crazy Bones and wanted to play with me. He kept disappearing and reappearing with more saying that he found them in the sand. Turns out he was stealing them from other kids, which is terrible. But on the other hand, I was in the circle and I wasn't getting my shit punked for a change, so I kept my mouth shut. I had an eggy. You think I'm going to risk that getting stolen? Pfft, you're out of your mind. I got to be a part of the conversation and I wasn't forced to nod along pretending I cared what Limp Biscuit had to say or how cool Eminem was. We had something I understood that we could talk about. As I grew up and I got into the world, the most consistent common ground I have had with people I become friends with is weed. The friendship isn't based solely on weed. Weed has proven itself time and again as the common denominator, though. If we have that touchstone, I can find out what their other interests are and what they think is funny and adapt to that. Weed became and is my icebreaker for most people I take on as longtime friends. If we drift apart after a session, we're right back to where we should be. A part of me is scared of my buddies getting married and having kids. I think that some small voice at the back of my mind is telling me that I'll be back on the outside of the conversation with nothing to contribute nodding along again. Yeah, 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 man. Diapers. Yeah, they cost a lot. Yeah, I'm also concerned about the politics that will benefit your kids' educational futures or bring better maintenance to parks. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Dual incomes will allow for vacations that are more than getting high on your deck. Isn't that ever neat? Oh, you guys went to brunch. I mean, I like lunch, I like breakfast, but you're right, as a single person, I should pick one or the other. You know, I wouldn't want to intrude. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right, driving two hours for a bed and breakfast to see the leaves changing colors is a wonderful way to spend a weekend. No, it's not a waste of money and time. It's <sighs> romantic as heck there, bud. No, you know what? No. Of course you can't smoke a J. You have to get to soccer practice in an hour. That I was kidding. This is all said in jealousy and jest, folks. Mostly. There are so many subcultures of Mary Jane. We, the outsiders, united under the green leaf and not much else. That's something to wonder about. Although I've always considered an off-the-beaten-path kind of thing, is cannabis use still an outsider thing? Are we just like our hippie forefathers? Have we become sellouts like the yuppies the hippies were doomed to become? I don't think any of us really had a cause. We just wanted to be left alone with decent internet. Whoops. That wasn't meant to sound like a masturbation joke, but when I hear it out loud, I think that it was. And that joke is too well-crafted to edit out. I would consider myself the nerd subset of smoker, mostly. 
I get along with 90% of the other subcultures. Skaters, punks, burnouts, gangsters, yuppies, self-medicating stare-at-home parents, hipsters, hippies, jocks, and so many more. That's because we all have a foundation to build a conversation upon. Which is what exactly? Is it a character trait or even a character flaw? A desire to find a mild numbness that makes this monotonous grind a little easier to bear? Start with a session and then all other affectations fade away until we're just people bullshitting about nonsense. For all those reasons, my first true fandom might have been pot. Growing up, I had seen the movies, I had picked up on the innuendo in TV shows, I watched hours and hours of stand-up. It seemed like all the movies I liked, or TV shows that captured my imaginations, the comedians that really made me laugh, was somehow pot-related. A family member remarked based on my interest that he knew beyond a shadow of a doubt, I was going to try weed. I think you may have realized this after I gave, in grade 9, a presentation in sociology about cannabis using a sock puppet and my best Mr. Garrison voice. Drugs are bad, okay? Don't do drugs. And I don't have any excuse, because this is all a year or two before I even tried weed. I don't believe in predestination. So what put me on track to become a pothead? Was it somehow inevitable I'd become a stoner? That question was answered for me getting out into the real world. No, it wasn't. There are plenty of people that have no interest in weed that can appreciate Rick and Morty or good banter. That's not to say that weed doesn't help, because it does. Plus, with the short-term memory loss, you can keep rewatching episodes and laughing at the same jokes and not get bored. It's wonderful. I tried weed in high school. I was then and remain today a huge friggin' fan. I prefer weed to alcohol because with alcohol it's easy to go overboard and embarrass yourself. With weed it's possible, but not as likely. The chicken fingers in a glass incident notwithstanding? Like any fandom, if you only ever have one thing to talk about, you become boring. Like Star Wars or CrossFit. This is a huge interesting world that laser focus does not make for great conversation. Thank the goddess for podcasting. Podcasts came along and sobered me up and got me on the straight and narrow. Mostly sober now and having something other than old Dave Chappelle episodes to quote, requote, and quote some more. I think I've become a more rounded, interesting person. Now that I've calmed down on the weed, I have a couple of elements to my personality. I can give you a list as long as my arm of pods that you should check out. Of course, the first and foremost would be anything on the Not After 30 podcast network. The Dixon Janes podcast, which is a lot of fun, and thank you for the shout out. Crime Machine, if you wanted a true crime podcast. There is a wide variety of shows out there. You know, I also have a vast knowledge of pretty much all cartoons. From Tiny Toon Adventures to Futurama, I've seen them all. I also have a deep and useless knowledge of the expanded universe of Star Wars. My god, how I have grown. Fun fact, after the sale of Star Wars to Disney, the dozens and dozens of books I have read over the years have gotten tossed out. Some suit somewhere decided that they don't count anymore, because they can package and sell a new history. A history full of lies. 
That is, except for Baby Yoda. All of those hours not interacting with human beings and mindlessly bumping around on Wikipedia is wasted. Wars were fought. Chewie died. Han and Leia's son fell to the dark side and his badass twin sister had to take him down after getting training from Boba Fett. It's as if I felt a great disturbance in the Force. As if millions of voices suddenly cried out in terror and were suddenly silenced. I fear something terrible has happened. Have you checked out The Mandalorian yet? I have a hard time understanding why people don't like Star Wars. Jedi are just space wizards, and there's nothing more metal than space wizards. If I had a band, I would name it Space Wizard. Are you frustrated with the flow of this episode? You may think I've started to ramble and lost track of what exactly the point of this episode is. Welcome to the mind of a stoner. Part of the writing credits of this app will go to Skywalker OG, a hybrid strain that has been around for a little while, mild THC with decent CBD properties, a low-key high that doesn't leave you feeling anxious. Skywalker OG, requested at your local government dealer, folks. Honestly, I am a little nervous about putting an episode out with this kind of content. It was only this year in Canada we've made cannabis legal. There's still a few stereotypes and preconceptions that come with smoking weed. By and large, most people don't care. The golden rule is, as long as it's not up in their face, they don't care. Don't ask, don't tell, so to speak. I can already start to see the perceptions shifting. We aren't all lumped in as Bill and Ted or Jay and Silent Bob types. We are a quiet part of society keeping late-night pizza places in business. You're welcome. Ask yourself this. Would Uber Eats even be a thing without us? I don't think so. It's hard to get past the idea stoners are all lazy and childlike. As a stoner, I've seen it in other stoners. But that isn't all of us. Before you cry hypocrite, the face in the mirror, I see a little of the arrested development in myself. I just can't help but feel if this was an episode about drinking stories, I would have no hesitation. I've already told the story about how I fell off a cliff and the time I got thrown out of a burrito place. None of that will ever come back on me as anything more than youthful indiscretion. Hell, we have all heard stories about our parents drinking and driving, getting pulled over, and having the cops tell the occupants to pick whoever was the most sober to drive them directly home. But on the very off chance people at work hear this, don't judge me too harshly. There is a possibility, since this podcast is meant for entertainment purposes, some if not all stories have been exaggerated or fabricated out of whole cloth. Wink. I am still just the odd dude doing a dumb dance for a cheap laugh working his end of the line. Don't worry about it. I find that people don't mind talking about their drinking. For shift workers, what day of the week it is and what time of the day begins to lose all meaning. Getting home at 8am and having a cold beer is really no different than getting home and having a beer at 8pm. Going to sleep with the sun creeping through every window with the rest of the world alive and making noise is a goddamn horror show. When you can't quiet your mind and nod off, a couple of beers while the sun comes up can be your only saving grace. 
That being said, I'll stick with my bong. All the benefits, none of the calories. Or that sick feeling the next day. I've been a cannabis user for a long time. I have a belief that I'd like to share. To me, weed is the thing that can make everything alright. But sometimes everything can't be alright. We need friction in our lives. It's what drives us forward. Humanity is sick that way. If we are too comfortable, we never grow. We are never pushed into action. Throughout this episode, I'm going to give some definitions because there's all kinds of people who smoke up. There aren't any written rules to pot use, and any of my opinions are just my own ideas and not representative of the whole. Region to region, the language changes. We're all so reclusive as stoners, it's not really any wonder. We find our ritual and we stick with it. The way that I see it is, if I ever want to be happy, I kind of have to own what I am. I am a pot smoker. Cannabis users are those that use weed for the medical benefits. I'm a recreational user who loves to escape his own headspace. I'm not self-medicated intentionally. I just don't care too much for the real world. And if I have to suffer it, I just want to be a little numb. I would say that I fall under the stoner pothead classification. Stoners and potheads are those that smoke more than four days a week. In my red eyes, it's no different than people who have a drink a couple of nights a week. They are drinkers, we are stoners. Same difference, right? I wonder if drinkers want to be lumped in with us, or are we still seen as the druggies? Potheads are so hypocritical, the only time we want to be compared to drinkers is when we're trying to normalize our substance use from judgmental people concerned about our well-being. God. Other than that, we like to beat our chest and give self-satisfied winks about how our choice is safer and how we're so much smarter for our preferred form of escapism. I said earlier it's harder to embarrass yourself when you're high than when you're drunk, but it's not impossible. When I was first learning my boundaries with cannabis and alcohol, I was at a house party. Let's call it somewhere in the mid-high school days. I had down a few beers and was having a pretty good time. I went outside to sneak a smoke. Even then, smoking had fallen out of vogue. When I got onto the porch, I stumbled into a sesh. A session or sesh is when people gather together to smoke weed. Usually it's a joint getting passed around or a pipe when you're talking about a party atmosphere. On a smaller scale, like roommates or friends, it's just getting together in the same room to smoke each person's preferred form, usually followed by hanging out for a while, watching TV, eating, or both. Using substances in a group gives the thin veneer that it's a social lubricant, not something tawdry you do in your alone time. So back to the party. We had never used a pipe before, and didn't know how the metal filter went in. So, me being me, I just rolled it up and shoved it into the part that you suck from. It took about 20 minutes to peel it out and put it back into the bowl properly. This is so long ago, we would have had to get online and ask Jeeves how to do it. I think I had like a couple of drags off the proffered pipe. You cut to 10 minutes later, I'm on the couch in the basement. I have no idea how I got there. I was sitting there, bloodshot eyes, and pale. I looked pitiful. I was trying to act straight. Straight is in reference to straight-laced. 
it's used by stoners as a dig at sober people for being boring, but also a code word to try to come off as not being high. Like, hey man, don't mention we got weed to Steve, he's straight edge and might narc or get pissy. Man, be cool, keep walking. I see the cops, we gotta act straight or they'll take our stash. That was terrible. As I was sitting on the couch, I picked a point on the wall across from me to focus on. It was meant to be a point of reference to tell my body that everything was going to be okay. That I could ride out this bad feeling. Nothing in the room mattered but my nice, safe spot on the wall. Staring at this point with every ounce of intensity I could muster, I noticed the other walls began to bounce up and down. It was like I was on a sailing ship in bad weather. No consistency, just up and down, out of time. Up, down. I knew I was in real trouble because I got that watery feeling at the back of my throat as my mouth dried. It was bad. It was so bad that I could not even call out for help. Because I couldn't call out a warning, no one knew to bring me a bucket or move me to a non-carpeted part of the room. I had clear thoughts, but I was disconnected from my body. It was kind of lonely in a crowded room. So there's me, the rolling room, and point of focus that's only really hurting me. Could have been five minutes or five seconds that I held it together. I was so up in my own mind lamenting my poor choices, I couldn't even raise the alarm so that people could get out of the way. And then I hurled. Oh my god, did I hurl. Whatever happened next is a mystery. I can positively say that I wasn't the one that cleaned it up. Sorry. Why wasn't that enough to turn me away from smoking weed? Knowing now what I didn't then, alcohol can enhance the effects of weed and vice versa. There are a few rare people out there that can handle the mix. I can't. If there's any advice you could take away from this episode, it's this. If you're curious about weed... Do not get your courage up to smoke weed by drinking. Save it for when you're sober. Not once have I ever seen this work out for any first-timer. And I've seen it a dozen times. Back to the story. I upchucked, and that's embarrassing. But what makes it worse is I learned that there was a cute little name for what happened to me. As I'm sitting in my own sick, I hear the term greened out. Greening out is when you smoke too much weed or mix and you end up getting sick. It's kind of like the Hulk. When the Hulk turns green, he becomes super powerful. When you green out, you go pale and then puke. Usually all over yourself. And sadly, I didn't learn a strong enough lesson that night and it happened to me a few more times over the years. Usually it was because I was already drunk and forgetting the rules and really, really wanting a bowl or hit off that joint. There was another notable incident. It was when I was living in Peterborough. My friends, being musically inclined, were sitting around singing and playing guitar. It was like I had my own private concert. Being that I can't sing and I was born without rhythm, I just sat back and enjoyed. Sitting in an attic, on a couch, surrounded by friends, I greened out. There was vomit everywhere. But the quality of friends that I have, no one stopped playing or singing. The song just shifted from Matthew Good or something to singing about how I was now covered in puke. And still puking. 
and that someone should get me a bucket. Oh, the puke is now touching the couch. Who's going to go get the bucket? How I was a little bitch for puking. During this, you can hear me yelling at them, You just watched and no one helped. That only added another lyric. I'm not sure if it was a chorus, but if I'm going to get my paintbrush out and set this scene with me being the fallen hero, they just pointed and laughed and sang. In all honesty, they probably didn't point and laugh, but uh, that's the way I choose to remember it. But knock on wood, it's been a few years since I've mixed. I don't trust Drunk Tim as far as I can throw him, so I know that it's coming. I won't name names or point fingers, but I do have a friend that has not learned this lesson. His bravery and consistent effort to find the proper balance is... mystifying. He reminds me of an alchemist chasing after the Philosopher's Stone, but only ever ends up with mercury poisoning. Maybe one day I'll be able to get permission to tell the whole story about one of the nights this individual mixed cannabis and alcohol. This night resulted in him barfing on the stairs and calling out to Google Home for help. Technology has changed our lives in little and large ways. Common symptoms of greening out is feeling dizzy, getting sweaty, going pale after smoking too much weed. What usually follows an ex is an extreme exhaustion and sleep or vomiting. Greening out is different from overdosing. To OD on cannabis, you would have to smoke 40,000 times the normal amount to die. Theoretically, that's about 1,500 pounds of pot in 15 minutes. I am a daily smoker. Yes, I don't smoke very much anymore, but I can make two grams of weed last the better part of a month. 1,500 pounds of weed would be more than a lifetime supply to me. There's never been a death reported connected to an overdose of marijuana. That's not to say that greening out isn't serious. If you're with someone that greens out, remember that you're an adult. They're your friend. Please be thoughtful. The same rules for taking care of someone that passes out because they've drank too much still apply. If you are with someone that greens, roll them on their side, make sure their neck is in a position that their airway is free in case they puke in their sleep. Knock on wood, I've never heard of anyone dying this way. I hope that I never do. All we have is each other. Although many stories of my misspent youth follow me, Luckily, the episode of Barfing in the Basement has been thankfully forgotten. Until my buddies hear this up, and I'm roasted for it, I'm sure. But to them, I say that this is a two-way street, and I maintain writing and editing control of the Midnight Owl. I've seen a few greenouts in my day. Let's all be cool about this. Is slander spoken and libel written? I can never remember. The most epic greenout... I've ever seen was in high school. Some skater kid came into the calf and he was pale as a ghost. What caught my attention was that his body was at an unnatural angle. Limbs and upper body straight as a board, leaned forward about 45 degrees. He was just pounding towards the recycling bins in the middle. His arms and legs were all moving with different speeds like a baby fawn trying to find its legs. But he didn't make it to the bins, and he spewed all over his DCs. He was a skater boy. She said, see you later, boy. He couldn't handle his weed. 
I believe this kid got sent home for uh, having the flu for a few days. When you're a pot smoker, it's hard to tell if you're just surrounding yourself with like-minded individuals and your perception is molded by that. When I look back at high school, I think of nearly everyone at my school smoking weed. When I examine it closer, I know we were in the minority, but there were plenty of us. Maybe that's why all the social circles at our school crossed over and got along. We were all making it by smoking ditch weed and having a good time talking about nonsense and hanging out. Kids were constantly getting high at my school. I mean, you lock up a bunch of disinterested kids in a system nearly all of them will take little to no benefit from. They're going to try and find their own entertainment. It was so bad that our principal had to get on the morning announcements and beg us to make better bongs. I shit you not. I wish I had a better quote of what was said, but it was along the lines of, The custodians picked up five garbage bags of bongs from the field, smoking court, and quarry. I should not have to be saying this, and by no means am I encouraging the use of drugs, let alone drug use on school property, which is a place of learning. Using pop bottles, Windex containers, and bleach jugs as bongs is not a good idea. Melting plastic being inhaled plus those chemicals as you light marijuana is toxic to the body. It can have long-lasting effects on the lungs and may even lead to cancer. Please stop using plastic bongs. Plastic pop bottle bongs. Almost makes me feel nostalgic for a simpler time. My tastes have refined enough that I'd never be so desperate to use one, but nostalgic nonetheless. Pop bottle bongs were the most common form of bongs for our age group. All you needed to do was hit the vending machine, get a larger size pop bottle for our American listeners, a soda pop. Gatorade bottles didn't work because of the double layer and it doesn't fit well in your hand. Thin water bottles would just scrunch up and melt into an unusable mess. If you can come up with the $1.75, there was always the recycling bins and garbage cans. Just don't get caught taking one, or you'd be labeled a garbage picker. People would still smoke it, but you were the garbage picker. Kids can be so cruel. Back in the day, I was an artist at crafting these. Step one, you take a lighter and heat up a section, melting a hole for a piece to be pushed in. The hole should be smaller than the piece. You have to be quick and begin to insert the piece while the plastic is still hot. As it cools, it'll create an airtight seal. Don't be overly ginger. You want the bottle directly above the tip of the flame. Coming at it at an angle will give you an oblong hole that is useless. Step two, melt another hole higher up for a choke. Fill the bottom portion of the pop bottle with water. Your water line should just be about half the length of the stem of your piece. You want the choke to be higher than the water line, keeping in mind that most people tilt the bottle back, so if the choke is too low, you're going to spill rank, smelly water on yourself. Not helping a person fly under the radar. Now you smell like skunky smoke, and water Satan himself gargled. Step 4. You put your mouth on the top where you would normally drink from. Light the weed in the piece, and cover the choke with your offhand thumb. Inhaling, you create a suction, drawing the smoke from the lit weed through the water. This makes the smoke easier to inhale. You should have just enough water in there, you hear it bubble, but not so much it's impossible to draw through. Step 5. Once the body of the bong, also called the chamber, has filled up with smoke, 
Remove your thumb from the choke, inhale, and clear the chamber. If it's easier to picture, think about uh, it like a can of apple juice. You poke two holes in the lid. Opening the choke will allow fresh air to be drawn through and force the smoke in the chamber up and out. Every second you leave the smoke in the chamber, the staler it will get and harsher it'll end up being. All to say, be ready before you light and pull. In recent years with legalization on its way, we just gotten so much better than the crap we used to get. Back in the day, you had to worry about stems and seeds in your weed. I grew up in the CD era, but there was always rumors of the older generation taking album covers out and using it as a tray to pick out the stems and seeds. Why this was a reoccurring topic of conversation is and was beyond me. But at the same time, it's kind of a cool mental picture, right? There is always a scary moment when you hear a pop as you're drawing in. If a seed was heated by a lighter, it could explode, and it could launch lit weed across your jeans and burn little holes, or leave a heater on a carpet that would melt a hole, and only a landlord doing an exit inspection would ever spot. That being said, with better weed and a little bit of money, as well as not having to hide in the shadows, I have some very nice glassware now. It's easier to clean, which maintains the taste of the weed. Clean your devices, folks. It's not healthy to keep freestanding water full of half-burnt organic material. I get it. It's easy to let go, but you're better than that. Clean up after yourself. The reason for the popularity of pop bottle bongs was how readily available the materials were and how disposable it was. If you were in a park and spotted by the cops, tear out the piece, toss the bottle, and you're mobile. A piece is so small that it won't ever be noticed in a pocket. Word to the wise, keep a Ziploc or tinfoil on you. If it's wrapped in a bag, the stink doesn't give you away, and the melted tar doesn't get on your pants. That melted tar, or resin, was only ever a last resort to us smokers. We always called it hobo hash. It was the tar-like residue left over that eventually clogs the piece, so you would have to scrape it out or scrub it out. If you scraped it out, you could roll it into these terrible balls of harsh, respokable weed. In today's society, we have enough access to weed. Just buy some bong cleaner and get rid of it. Another uh, time, the school was raided by the cops on 420, April 20th. The international recognized day for smoking weed. Looking back with adult eyes, 90% of my life is adjusted to avoid complicated choices. I think that the officers that conducted the raid might have had a lot of forethought coming into it. They needed to get the drugs out of the hands of kids, but the paperwork and court dates of actually catching them would be a monumental headache. So, it just so happens they brought the wrong kind of canine unit to the school. The police brought in these big German shepherds to do the search. You can't have students and dogs trained to detain suspects in the same room as possible substances, so each time the police wanted to search a room, they had to send the kids to the library first. You know, what a weird coincidence. At the end of the day, the cops searched the library and found a ton of weed hidden in various books. Rumors around the hallway says it was over a pound. Crazy, eh? Like I said, each group had their stoners, and in each of those circles, there would have been a few burnouts. Burnouts are those that have let weed take over their life. Don't believe the propaganda that weed isn't addictive. 
It isn't physically addictive. You can go a few days without noticing it's not in your life, with a little more than restless sleep or a short temper, but it is habit-forming, and a crutch if you're not dealing well with the hand the world dealt you. If you want to pick out a burnout from a crowd, look for someone who appears sluggish, slow, and stupid. They have kind of a shitty attitude when they're sober. Burnouts smoke so much weed you wouldn't recognize them sober. I was a burnout for a bit. Not a time in my life that I would give up or exchange, but not a time I'm proud of. Those years help inform the man I've become. It's just that it would have been nice if it wasn't years, and more like a year. A sabbatical from the world. You know, rich kids get to go to Europe and backpack after college. This would have been my version of that. They had the Eiffel Tower. I had rewatching every episode of South Park 20 times. Ever since then, I've been stumbling through life trying to find my place. In my anxiety-ridden nightmares, I wonder if I ever actually left that city. In my manic highs, I wish for it back. My day would start with a wake-and-bake session, stumble the hour-and-a-half walk to work, or 40-minute rollerblade, come home and smoke till I went to bed. It was gross how much I was smoking. I stuck to bongs because I could get higher and make the weed last longer. I had a beautiful little glass bong with a pinch in the chamber to hold ice and chill the smoke. When the weed ran out, we'd take a student card and scrape up the weed that had fallen across the table into a little pile and then smoke that. Being the creative geniuses that we were, we dubbed this table weed. Table weed was the end of the line before hobo hash, and me and my roommate would have to start pooling money together. We'd have to go out and find a dealer just to get more. With how hard that shitty secondhand table was scraped and rescraped, there is no doubt in my mind I smoked my fair share of wood splinters and paint chips along with whatever table weed we managed to find. I checked Wikipedia, and there's a few entries that match my description. Which kind of makes me sad and happy I'm not alone in this phenomenon of tableweed. Around this time I had fallen behind on some bills and I was dead broke. I decided to spend my last 15 bucks on smokes instead of a gram. I feel like I need to clarify once more. I'm not beating my chest and saying how cool I was. I was 20 and an idiot. What can I say? One vice versus another. Maybe if I'd chosen the gram over the smokes, I might have been able to kick this nicotine habit once and for all by now. Anyway, back to my story. I was a day sober and I walked into work. I was a hydroblaster at the time in a factory. On my way to my station, people were pulling me aside to ask if I was okay. They had never seen me sober and thought that I had the flu. I don't know if they'd ever seen my eyes that open before. I possessed enough self-reflection to understand that this might be my rock bottom. Enough youthful idiocy to disregard that. And enough common sense to remember it was payday. So I went along with the idea that I was sick, went home, got high, and had a great long weekend. Remember kids, greed is dangerous. These terrible decisions led me to a happy, fulfilling life. In my basement, mumbling into a mic, about the golden days for like tens of people. And that'll do it for part one of the weed episode.
If you have a story, maybe it's a horror story, maybe it's a funny story about cannabis, feel free to reach out to us at our email, beardedandboard at gmail.com. B-E-A-R-E-D-A-N-D-B-O-R-E-D. Or at the Midnight Owl podcast on Instagram. Have a great night, folks. And don't forget the owl at the moon. Hoot, hoot.